Oh my god, what's that? Dude, no, oh my god. Oh my god. It's It's the Horror Comedy Podcast with Jake and Haley. Welcome back to another exciting episode of the Horror Comedy Podcast. This is the only podcast where I smoke marijuana and I try to scare you with a true scary story. And at the end of the podcast, I'll check in and I'll see if I scared you. Yes, usually I do have a co-host. He's about six foot two, large male. But unfortunately, right now he's decapitated, incapacitated, I mean. He's busy. He's, uh, he's doing something not this with me. Unrelated to that. I have two large kidneys, one spleen, one liver, and a large quantity of O-negative blood for sale. If you're interested, email me at thehorrorcomedypodcast at gmail.com. That's P-O-T-C-A-S-T at gmail.com. I'm happy to be back, folks. I'm happy you're listening. We're going to have a really fun, scary time. Today I'm smoking Hibernate by Illicit. This is a cross between Shut-Eye and Stardog. It is described on Leafly as the nighttime cold medicine of cannabis, said to be unbelievably sleepy, relaxing, and potent. I'm going to be honest with you, it's supposed to be obviously a heavy indica, but never once have I smoked weed and been like, oh, I'm tired, or like, oh, I definitely am not tired now, and I feel creative. Like, I wish I had a more refined THC receptor, I guess. But I don't. All weed just makes me feel high. This weed did fucking wreck me, though. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> and it smells like iced tea. How weird. You know what I've been thinking about a lot lately is the zoo. I went to the zoo recently. You know, I was going to try to hide the name of the zoo. Because believe it or not, folks, if I had a nickel for every time I blocked someone on every single platform and then found out that they secretly listened to the podcast, I'd have three nickels. And I don't really want these people to know where I live. But, bitch, come find me at the zoo. I'll feed you to the tigers. I don't give a fuck. I live at 1237 Mayflower Lane. No, (laughs) no, I'm just kidding. But it was the St. Louis Zoo. I recently went to the St. Louis Zoo with Jake and some friends and their cool kid, which is a huge compliment coming from me because I don't know if you know this about me, but I really don't like children. I know. Cringe. Eye roll. Those kind of people are the worst. But I am those kind of people. But this kid, super dope. And these friends, super dope. And Jake, also super dope. So going to the zoo with this group was a really good time. So at first we walked into the St. Louis Zoo. It's free to go. Did you know that? You should go to the fucking St. Louis Zoo. It's for free. So we walk in and we start going, I believe we went to the right first. And most of the exhibits were either empty or had very sneaky animals. I don't know which. So we walked around what looked to be an empty zoo for like the first hour we were there. And then we finally made it to the part of the zoo where the animals were visible. Because again, I'm not trying to say that there were no animals at the zoo. Maybe their camouflage was just very effective. Anyway, we get to the part where there's animals, right? And we see the elephants. And you know how an elephant exhibit typically looks? It's the same deal. You walk up to this one spot where it's like a really good view of the whole thing. And if you look straight across the entire, what do I call it, pen, exhibit, enclosure, on the other side, you can see the employee gate where the employees come out and I'm assuming they like feed them and stuff from there. Right. So we get to the elephants and the elephants 
were standing in front of the employee gate and they were doing this little dance. I'm going to find a video of this and I'm going to put it on our Instagram so that you could see what I'm talking about. But it at first I thought it was so fucking cute. But then they were just still doing it like they weren't doing anything else. And I was like, that's kind of sad, right? I don't know why, but that just that just seems kind of sad. It kind of reminded me of like elephant OCD or something. And then we went to the rhinos, which I always want to call Ryan's. I don't know. Maybe we could workshop it. So the Ryan's were pacing back and forth in front of the freaking employee gate. Same thing. And at that point, I was like, oh, no. And I told I told everybody, like, I think they have zucosis. And zucosis is basically when an animal's enclosure isn't big enough or isn't appropriate. You know, it doesn't have the right stuff. It doesn't make them feel stimulated. And they know that they're in an enclosure. I mean, well, I, I don't know what they know, but I, am a, I think I know that they know. <laughs> and they go kind of insane, for lack of a better word. You know, they start doing crazy things. I pick at my thumbs, which is so gross. But it's essentially like zucosis makes them do stuff like that. So they'll just start pacing or doing a little dance or just weird compulsive behaviors because their needs aren't being met. And I'm like, I have zucosis. Okay. That's, I'm, that's literally what I have. And so I thought to myself, holy shit, right? Like these animals are losing it. This is nuts. This is a zoo, metaphorically and literally. But my friends and Jake were like, well, maybe it's just right before feeding time. You know, like they're about to feed them and that's why they're sitting there all excited. I like that better. That's what I'm going to tell myself. But it did make me curious. By the way, we didn't even explore the whole zoo because the St. Louis Zoo is ginormous. Ginormics. Yep, that's exactly what I meant to say. It made me curious, though, you know, seeing all those animals in that state, especially because this year has just been a crazy year for zoos, right? Do you remember in January when the clouded leopard got out of the Dallas Zoo? I do because I was on Twitter making funny ass fucking jokes, which you can see on our Instagram page because I think it's very relevant. I was thinking about the zoo. I was thinking about the zoocosis. I was thinking about the little baby clouded leopard that got out of the Dallas Zoo in January. And I said, well, let me give that a goog, you know? Let's hyperfixate on the Dallas Zoo. And let's do it together. Because folks, the Dallas Zoo is one of those things that is much scarier and spookier and more mysterious than we think. Than it appears to be at first glance. Now, this episode might not scare you. It depends how you feel about gorilla attacks. And more than scaring you, I hope that it makes you curious because this mystery has been at the forefront of my mind ever since I started reading about it. You guys, I didn't even sleep last night because I was so excited to tell you about it. So the Dallas Zoo is also called the Dallas Zoological Park, and it's 106 acres. It's located in downtown Dallas, Texas. The zoo was originally founded in 1888. The first animals were two deer and two mountain lions, and they were bought and imported. Is that the right word? I don't know. From Colorado. Colorado City, actually. Do you want to guess how much it cost, parasocial girlies? Go ahead. Make your guesses. No, you're wrong. (laughs) Just 
I don't know if you were, but $60, okay? In the 1890s, the zoo petitioned the city council for more funds so that they could get more animals, and it got approved. No problemo. Why don't you go ahead and buy yourself some zebras? Originally, the zoo was in City Park, and in 1910, it was relocated to Fair Park. I cannot imagine how hard it is to move an entire zoo. I have four pets, and it feels, every time I move, it feels like I'm moving an entire zoo. If I had to move literally an entire zoo, fuck you, I quit. In 1912, the zoo was moved again. I guess they're gluttons for punishments. To a bigger 36-acre lot in Marsalis Park. And surprisingly, during the Great Depression in the 1930s, the zoo was not only surviving, but thriving. And it actually got remodeled, got a lot of renovations. Great. In 1955, the Dallas Zoological Society was established, and its job was to oversee and support the zoo. In the 1960s, zoos became a really popular attraction that made a ton of sweet, sweet cash. By 1966, the zoo had over 500 different animals. And I will now list them all for you. Meerkat. Possum. Raccoon. Squirrel. I'm just kidding. Did you think I was really going to keep going? (laughs) Now, the thing you should understand is that before the 1980s, zoos were not about perversion. Ew. The zoos were not about preservation or humane treatment of animals or repopulating endangered species. It was just about money. So I guess these 500 animals were probably kept in like little dog crates and hamster balls. I, I imagine it was not great. They were probably letting toddlers carry around chimpanzees and li- liger cubs. I, I meant to say tiger, but liger's cool too. That's probably also factual. In 1980, the American Zoological Association was formed and stepped in and they said, hey, you can no longer keep these tigers on a leash in the lobby. You got to do something with them. We have to make this about science. And the Dallas Zoo was like, all right. So at that point, the zoo began to breed endangered species to start to repopulate them and get them out of endangered status. By the mid-1980s, they were accredited. A huge Africa exhibit was built, which cost $30 million. And that exhibit was officially opened in 1990. And I think this is when they settled in uh, downtown Dallas also. But, you know... How I could verify is if I wrote it down, but I didn't, so enjoy. In the summer of 1996, the train and the bus began to service the zoo, so it was really easy for just about goddamn anyone anywhere to get to the goddamn zoo at any goddamn point. In 1997, a new exhibit called the Kimberly Clark Chimpanzee Forest Exhibit opened, and in 1999, the ExxonMobil Endangered Tiger Habitat was opened. And ExxonMobil is a weird thing to be sponsoring zoo things, right? Because it's like you're burning the earth and whatnot, but okay. And I will give the zoo credit because they continued to plan and build new exhibits all the way up until 2015. So I think that's probably good, right? So if you go to the Dallas Zoo, you'll see two main areas. One is called the Wilds of Africa and the other is called Zoo North. Zoo North is the oldest section and the Wilds of Africa is newer. That's the one I was telling you is just built in the 90s. It's got lions, all this kind of shit. And allegedly, there is a secret underground tunnel that connects the two. I want in. October of 2011, the Association of Zoos and Aquariums gave the Dallas Zoo a special award for its giants of the savanna habitat. It is a really unique exhibit because the elephants and zebras and giraffes and antelopes are all together in one space, kind of to mimic the landscape of the savanna. Isn't that dope? Sounds great, right? Why are we even talking about this? 
I feel like some people really love zoos. I mean, and and some of the work that zoos do is really good, like repopulating endangered species. And then there's some people who think that zoos are just like really shitty, very bad, a sad place to go. To these separate crowds, the Dallas Zoo is probably a great or the worst example, but we'll have to dig a little bit deeper to find out why. November 28th, 1998. In their gorilla exhibit, there was a 340-pound male gorilla named Hercules. Hercules came from the wild, and the zoo did try to train him a bit when they got him, but it turns out the gorillas are kind of hard to train sometimes. He wasn't interested in snacks, and he wasn't really interested in getting trained. He had no interest in humans whatsoever. Jennifer McClurg, sorry girl, that's a rough last name, she was in charge of cleaning Hercules' pen. Enclosure. I'm going to call it an enclosure from now on. On this day, as Jennifer swept, she heard the chilling sound of a metal gate opening slowly behind her. Jennifer knew that she would have to make calm movements if it was what she thought it was. So she turned around as slow as she could. Before she could even make a full 180, she could feel the gorilla's breath on the back of her neck. There was 340-pound Hercules towering over her. She started to talk calmly to him, but faster than she could even formulate what to do next, he grabbed her by the top of her hair and tore her down to the ground. He jumped on top of her, almost crushing her, and started to bite and rip at her skin. He bit her a total of 33 times. He got her on the legs, on the arms, and on her face. Apparently, the gate was not closed all the way to his holding pen. Then Hercules ran away. He ran around the zoo, scaring the shit out of everybody for an hour. They were able to hit him with a tranquilizer dart, and they returned him to his enclosure. Jennifer spent three weeks in the hospital and a year in physical therapy to recover. Now, I don't know if this is true, but when I was reading this, I learned that tranquilizer darts take an hour and a half to work. Could you imagine having like a raging 350-pound gorilla slowly running out of batteries like an old Furby? And he's just like, wah, wah, uh. like, <laughs> he slowly starts swinging his arms with less and less force until he just falls over. Like, what a wreck. The zoo stuck to its guns and said they had done everything by the book, although Jennifer's family definitely didn't feel that way. After this incident, the zoo changed its policies and also added safety measures like bolts on doors, which like, I hate to victim shame, I hate to zoo shame, but like, mm, girl, you didn't have that already. They also instituted a buddy system policy so that it might be possible for you to fight off a gorilla. If you have to fight off a gorilla, who are you picking to fight off the gorilla if you had to choose from your coworkers? You could tell me in the comments. If you're on Spotify, you could answer on the interact feature. Uh, I really want to know. Uh, if I had to choose someone to fight a gorilla off with, I guess it would be Jake. Uh, he's my coworker, right? Technically, I feel like we could do it. No, we couldn't. <laughs> we would just both get murdered. The following year, Jenny, another gorilla at the exhibit, not the zookeeper Jennifer, this is a gorilla named Jenny, simply walked through an open gate into a staff kitchen. The gorilla was 46 years old, holy shit, and only weighed 180 pounds. So this is just like, essentially like a woman. Like you could potentially fight this gorilla. She walked into the staff kitchen through her open gate 
And the zookeepers sitting in there were startled, but they stayed calm. And they were like, Jenny, go back to your enclosure, baby. Get out of here, Jenny. And Jenny turned around and walked back into her enclosure. Lucky. In 2000, one year after Jenny escaped, an 11-year-old chimpanzee named Judy was outside enjoying her first day in the outdoors, as she had been limited to only indoors before that. The public watched and awed and oohed as she swung around. Some would say monkeyed around. Then she started to climb a tree. Everybody who was watching was like, wow, she's getting really high up in that tree. And there was a zookeeper around who was like, oh, don't worry, there's an electric fence. But to everybody's surprise, Judy continued to climb up and then jumped across the electric fence to the other side. And then she started to climb up a power line where she was promptly electrocuted and fell to the ground in a hard thud. March 18th, 2004, the Wilds of Africa exhibit. So the Wilds of Africa exhibit is a huge enclosure and it's surrounded by a 16 foot concave wall. 16 feet. That's pretty big, right? Almost a house, I guess, maybe a house height. Sometime around 4.30 p.m., a group of kids was standing at the enclosure taunting a 13-year-old, 350-pound gorilla named Jabari. There were two zookeepers nearby. At this point, all the zookeepers kept pepper spray on them. I don't know if you thought I was joking about fighting off the gorilla, but I guess, you know, the more tools you have in that scenario, the better. Nobody is exactly sure how Jabari got out, but it's widely accepted that he scaled the walls of the enclosure. Immediately when he got out, he grabbed a woman named Keisha Hurd by the head and threw her into a wall before jumping on top of her and biting her legs. He also grabbed her three-year-old son Rivers, bit him on his head and chest before flinging him into the wall. I literally cannot believe that a three-year-old survived being attacked by a 350-pound gorilla. Holy fucking shit. Cheryl Reichart was at the zoo with her family, her three kids, and her neighbor, and they were in the bird aviary, which is an enclosed spot. She started to hear people screaming, but she thought it was maybe just people having fun, I guess. Cheryl started to lead her family up this flight of stairs to the next spot in the bird aviary when all of a sudden... At the top of the stairs appeared a 350-pound gorilla. Cheryl quickly grabbed two of her three children and literally yeeted them over a little fence designed to keep the birds in. But she couldn't get to her four-year-old son, Logan, who was stuck behind a tree. And standing between her four-year-old son and her was fucking Jabari the 350-pound gorilla. But the gorilla had locked eyes with Cheryl. And to her, even though she was in a very dangerous place, she knew this was the best possible scenario because if the gorilla was looking at her, it meant it wasn't looking at her son, Logan. The gorilla paced back and forth, and then he ran towards Cheryl, only stopping inches from her face, and he started to roar and growl, covering her in spittle and suffocating her with his filthy ape breath. He started to pace back and forth, looking very agitated. Then Jabari the gorilla sprinted down the stairs all the way to the other side of the aviary. Cheryl started to pull her kids up from over the fence. She motioned to them to all start running for the door. But goddamn Logan could not get down those stairs fast enough. And the gorilla turned around just in time to catch Logan in the middle of the staircase. 
Jabari turned and began to sprint, faster than Cheryl thought he even could. Cheryl reached out, grabbed her son, and literally threw him into the door. She slammed the door shut, but unfortunately, it was a push, as in, you know, it pushes towards Cheryl. It's not working in their favor, so she backs up against the door, but that's easy work for Jabari, and he slams the door open, which pins Cheryl against the wall, and the gorilla's reaching around, trying to grab her, and it grabs a hold of her arm, shakes her violently, and then mauls her arm, biting it about six times. Fuck, dude. Nearby zoo-goers had seen all the commotion and ran inside to a nearby monorail station and restaurant. The police had arrived, but the gorilla was way faster than them, and he was George of the Jungling all the fuck around on thick bamboo around the trails and popping in and out on this side of the trail and that side of the trail. Police and the gorilla started to have a standoff at about 5.30 p.m. Never thought I'd say that on this podcast. The gorilla was holding a pair of sandals, and they were children-sized and white. He was within 15 feet of two cops. The zoo staff had started to secure tranquilizer darts, but I don't think they could get it to the police in time. But let's be honest, police shoot family dogs all the time, so we all knew what was going to happen to this goddamn gorilla. And when Jabari started to charge at them, they shot and killed him. This incident caused zoos across the country to plan for emergency response teams. Many gorilla centers also changed to have taller walls and enclosed viewing areas for visitors. February 13, 2010. Tufani was a 180-pound, 19-year-old gorilla at the Dallas Zoo. On February 13th, the gorillas were supposed to have been moved into their holding pens so that the staff could get into their main enclosures. One staff member told the other staff member that Tufani was successfully moved into the holding pen. So the zookeeper opened the door to the gorilla enclosure and turned away. A few minutes later, Tufani came walking down the hallway into a staff break room. A code red was triggered, which is good that they have stuff like that. <laughs> the zookeeper locked herself in another part of the staff kitchen area and dead bolted the door shut. The staff came together and found Tufani and tranquilized her. Thankfully, the zoo was closed at the time of the incident because of thick snowfall. However, this incident triggered an investigation by the United States Department of Agriculture because why do your gorillas keep getting out? November 17, 2013. The lion exhibit had five lions total from what I understand. There was two males and their names were Denari and Kamaya. And there was three females, one of which was named Johari. So all the guests were there chilling at the lion exhibit, chilling at the lion exhibit, watching them play when the play started to get a little rough and one of the male lions grabbed Johari by her neck. Everyone was like, oh, this play is starting to look a little, a little rough. But then the male lion started violently shaking his head and shaking and pulling. And then all of a sudden the other male lions jumped in and they also started shaking and pulling and it turned into this big, violent, bloody frenzy and Johari went visibly limp. The zookeepers tried to get the two male lions off of her by throwing meat into the exhibit, but it was too late. In my notes, I said, the zookeepers tried to get the two male lions off of her by throwing me into the exhibit. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> July 28th, 2015. A giraffe enclosure. What could go wrong? These aren't, 
you know, very friendly, cool, super mm, giraffes. Toys R Us, you know? What could go wrong? This giraffe was pregnant, and Animal Planet followed her pregnancy and the birth, and the baby was named Capenzi. Capenzi was born, and she had just found her little legs, and she had started to run around the enclosure as fast as she could. But she was running a little too fast, because when she ran into the edge of the enclosure, her neck snapped and she died immediately in front of everyone. July 4th, 2019. The Dallas Zoo had recently obtained African painting dogs, one of whom was named Ola. Two of her pack mates turned on her and mauled her to death. The zoo went on Twitter and said the dogs were just exhibiting natural behavior and didn't do anything wrong. I mean, I feel like in all of, just to be clear, in every single animal attack that we talk about, I have never, <laughs> that's always the way I feel. Like, they're just doing their natural behavior. They didn't do anything wrong. They're not really supposed to have access to us, right? Like, maybe... Maybe they shouldn't have the chance to fight us. And the fact that they do have the chance to fight us is kind of our fault. March of 2020, the Dallas Zoo said on Twitter that their gorilla Shabira had died of heart failure. Shabira had a cough that the zoologist said was just a cold. After Shabira died, a necropsy revealed that the gorilla actually had cardiovascular disease, which is the leading cause of death in male gorillas. Another gorilla named Hope had died less than four months before that, and I'm not trying to say it's negligence, but, like, what is going on with the gorillas? October 2021. On October 2nd, a 19-year-old giraffe named Augie was found to have been dead. A necropsy was performed, and they found that the giraffe died of hepatitis. The next day, a three-month-old giraffe calf had to be euthanized. A few weeks went by with less giraffe chaos, but on the 29th of October, a third giraffe named Jesse, who was only 14, was found dead from abnormal liver values. Apparently, the zoo investigated and found the three deaths were not related. Does that make it better? January 13th, 2023, 6.20 p.m., the Dallas Zoo tweeted, The zoo is closed today due to a serious situation. A minute later, they tweeted, we have an ongoing situation at the zoo right now with a code blue. That is a non-dangerous animal that is out of its habitat. One of our clouded leopards was not in its habitat when the team arrived this morning and is unaccounted for at this time. They tweeted, This animal is an adult clouded leopard and weighs 25 pounds. Its habitat is a dense forest, and it is designed for life in the treetops. It is bigger than a house cat and smaller than most bobcats. If you think you see the animal, please do not approach the animal. We will be sharing another update later, early this evening. But in the meantime, for anyone in the area surrounding the zoo who may be curious or have concerns, this animal is an adult clouded leopard and weighs 25 pounds. Its habitat is a dense forest and it is designed for life in the treetops. It is bigger than a house cat and smaller than most bobcats. If you think you see the animal, please do not approach the animal. That was hard. Nova, the clouded leopard, was found later that day near her habitat. Much like my cat Pippi, who cries to be let out just so she can lay on the porch, she didn't really go very far. While they were searching for Nova, police noticed that the enclosure had actually been cut. Someone had intentionally snuck into the zoo overnight and cut Nova's enclosure open. And while police were investigating, they found... The Langer Monkey exhibit had a similar cut, 
However, those monkeys know they had it good and decided not to go anywhere, so none of them escaped. One week later, zoo staff arrived to find a lappet-faced vulture in the wild of Africa habitat was dead. It was not a natural death. It was actually very violent. This vulture's name was Pin. Pin was stabbed. Although all details are not available yet, the zoo offered a $10,000 reward for information leading to an arrest. And the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service started to get involved, too, due to Penn's endangered status. And finally, they increased security measures and added cameras. I can't believe that wasn't... Okay, whatever. I don't own a zoo. Who am I, you know? January 30th, 2023, the zookeepers showed up for the day to find two of their emperor tamarind monkeys were gone. The habitat had been cut open the same way that Nova's was, and the other monkeys too, and they realized these monkeys were fucking stolen. The same day, police were able to recover surveillance footage of a man who was suspected of stealing the monkeys. They released it to the public and asked for any identifying information. The next day, police got a call from a pastor at a local church. This specific church was a hot spot for community events, but unfortunately it fell into financial hardships and the church building itself was abandoned and in disuse. The pastor reported that the abandoned church building was broken into and there was all kinds of crazy sounds coming from it. The police showed up and found that there was definitely a human staying there, although he wasn't there at the time. But you guys, there was also chickens, pigeons, cats, dogs, and even two tamarind monkeys. And a shit ton of dead goldfishes and stolen fish supplies, which were also from the Dallas Zoo. Like, two monkeys wasn't enough for you. You also had to steal some goldfish. And then you killed them? What a shitbag. They ended up finding the guy. He's a 24-year-old man, and he was charged with animal cruelty and burglary. And I believe it's still all happening. So that might not be all he's charged with. And his details aren't publicly available yet. He confessed to some of the crimes, but the zoo and the police both refused to elaborate more on that, and the death of the vulture, as well as this man's involvement in all of this madness, is still under investigation, which is why we don't have the guy's name. What do you think? Why did that man kill Pin the Vulture? And why does the Dallas Zoo have so many problems? And why is somebody sabotaging the Dallas Zoo in the year 2023? Is this zoo cursed? Are you scared? I kind of am. I'm not going to lie. Jake was like, what do you want to do this weekend? And at first I wanted to go to the zoo, but now I don't think I do. This is the part of the pod where we do something fun to lighten the mood so that I don't think about dead baby giraffes. I'm going to read you some fucking hilarious tweets from when Nova the Leopard got out. This one's from Cassidy and they say, have you tried putting out an empty paper bag or cardboard box? Nope Lady 2 said, Dallas Zoo, have you tried setting up a nice shelf with very precious, breakable family mementos that you think is too high for your cat to reach because he will come back to prove you wrong? (laughs) Corey Kellerson said, Dallas Zoo PR person. We'll release more information about the missing leopard soon, but right now the details are spotty. (laughs) And Jurassic World simply tweeted, side eye. And you guys, that's been the horrifying, haunting tale of the Dallas Zoo. I don't know what's going on there. What do you think? Are you scared? Come check out our Instagram. I got tons of fun stuff over there for you. And if you have a scary story or a suggestion, or you just want to tell me how you're feeling, 
You can email me at the horror comedy podcast. That's P O T C A S T at gmail.com. And don't forget to drink water.